With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. E-L-C. Yeah! When that robot voice comes in, you know it's time to begin! And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to... DLC. DLC! Your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely... Thanks to our sponsors this week. No, (laughs) not sponsors. Thanks to our patrons. Our patrons over patreon.com slash DLC pod. They're bringing the show to you and they're getting cool stuff as a result. They get a video on demand, the video version of the show. They get ad-free episodes. They get a complete bonus show called paid dlc you can be one of them all you got to do is cruise over to patreon.com slash dlc pod check out those perks see if you want to support the show make sure it continues we appreciate it dlc is the show all about games and their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i am joined as always by my friend Slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who loves himself a game seven, especially when both teams show up, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I do love me a game seven. I that is that is true. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Do you see I'm that? Here. Do you see the Suns uh, <laughs> lose by nearly a fifty burger. Um, Jeff, I've seen my eyes above water. And that's about it. And oh, it's fine. Everybody has a week. We're doing good. I have not watched the basketball, unfortunately. But Twitter tells me um, the Phoenix Suns have set is one I saw. Uh, I thought it was fun. The sunset pun. Yeah, they did not. Uh, they did not show up. They, I think they shot like eight for 33 in the first half. <laughs> well, the good <laughs> news team? is, despite our intro to this show. Yeah, we have shown up, and the episode's only going to get better. We're putting up, we're putting up at least one twenty, one thirty this episode, Jeff. We're you here. Think? We're here. Oh yeah, I'm shooting three you, balls you're talking all episode. in minutes. Yeah, one one twenty, one thirty. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. I believe, well, we got lots to talk about. That's for sure. It has been a big week of news. We got games to discuss, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because once again, DLC stands for Don Pierre Live on Chatterdays. Because you know him from Chatterdays on Windows Central and from his appearance on the show not too long ago. He's back. We're excited. Miles Dompierre, thanks for being with us. Hey, Miles. What is going on, you fine gentlemen? Appreciate the invite again. Obviously, we were talking a little bit before the show. It has been a week. 
especially yeah. for someone like me who's entrenched in the Xbox camp, focuses on the Windows side of things. There's been some uh, developments worth diving into, so I appreciate the invite. Looking forward to diving into all of that mess, all of that chaos, and yeah, really appreciate you guys uh, reaching out. Well, let's get right to it then and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Jeff was right and it really pisses Christian off that Jeff was right and it really pisses Christian off that Jeff was right and it Cause he was right Everything is too late Jeff was right Oops, did I play the wrong bumper? Oops Dude, one, well played I, You are such a creature of habit in these intros and bumpers I was, you Got me flat-footed. Two, I got to roll the tape because I'm pretty sure you're on tape. Yes, y- Everything's Delayed was your uh, a prediction you made a year ago. Yeah. But I'm fairly certain on this year's show, you were like, nah, it's coming out. I think I think you're on tape being like, no, Starfield's going to hit. So I don't that's think what, you get that's that. That's what uh, is so beautiful about the <laughs> crazy, grandiose prediction that I made a year ago is that no, no. one remembers anything else I've said. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's mwah, chef kiss. Anyway, you know that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's keep it week. that way. Moving on. The Star of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you send comments or questions, your own reviews, whatever you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also have two communities, one on Discord at 5x5DLC on Discord, and the other as our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Great folks hanging out in both of those places. I urge you to become one of them. Check them out. Talk games with some cool folks. But Miles, you are our guest, and you have first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I think there's one, for me, one obvious one, and that is uh, Xbox and its pair of massive delays. And for, you know, Xbox loyalists who maybe only have an Xbox, essentially delaying the two only games a lot of people were look for, looking forward to in 2022. Yes, I, like I mean, this the real war on Christmas. This <laughs> is the war on Christmas right now. They did it last year with Halo. They brought war to Christmas and they were like, hey, your holiday game not coming. Not coming for Christmas. Here's the problem, Christian, is that what we have for Christmas, there is only going to be a war on Christmas. War zone on Christmas. Modern warfare on Christmas is is the big, the big. Not until uh, it's out. Not until it's out. (laughs) I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't miss those games, uh, the holiday period. But uh, yes, of course, Starfield, the much anticipated Bethesda game we got uh, in a tweet announced in a tweet this week. Sorry, we're pushing them to 2023, uh, along with Redfall. Now, Miles, let, we'll, setting aside Starfield for a moment, we will definitely get to that. But you said two games, maybe the only two games that people have been anticipating. Do you really? Do you think that Redfall is in that same tier? Do you think that people have been excited about Redfall because we haven't seen too much about it on the lead up to to its release? Yeah, Redfall, I would say Arcane has a really passionate cult following. Arcane, uh, outside of Deathloop, which did get a lot of critical acclaim, it was in the Game Game Awards conversations, a lot of their titles have gone under the radar. We hear stories about their games not performing financially as well as they want, despite critical praise time and time again. So 
I don't think Redfall is on the same caliber as Starfield. Starfield, it's Skyrim in space, as right. Todd Howard has called it. So it's got this huge appeal that Redfall doesn't. Uh, for me, I was actually more excited about Redfall because I'm primarily a multiplayer guy. So the, mm. the, the, the concept of a multiplayer-centric, player-driven experience from Arcane that has four-player co-op, for me, really, really exciting. But if you're looking at the the grand scope of Xbox in 2022, before these two delays, there were a lot of conversations within the Xbox community saying Xbox in terms of first party this year is really light, really, really light. There was Stalker, which was going to be a timed exclusive from a partner studio um, due to the war in Ukraine that obviously they have way more important things to focus on. So that got pushed quite a bit. And then there was this gap and people were like, OK, Redfall is coming in the summer. And I'm sorry, but we're in May. And we hadn't seen a shred of Redfall. We hadn't heard a thing about Redfall. So Redfall to me was not a surprising delay. Um, Starfield, though, that that was the surprising one, I think, for a lot of folks. Yeah, it was definitely surprising to me. I, I you know, as much as uh, I, you know, I, I try to crow about saying every game is delayed. I really did think Bethesda, it's, it's like fool me once fool me every single time. Shame on who are we shaming? Every, shame on you. Shame on you, Bethesda. Uh, and it felt like, well, if they're going to put their flag in the sand, they've been, you know, been holding back on this game, holding back on this game for years and years and years and years. You feel like, well, they're really not going to give you a, a hard date unless they really know it to be possible. And yet here we are. It, you know, part of me feels like this industry needs to just take a step back and go, let's just cut it out with the with the announcing release dates thing a year in advance. There's no, who does it benefit? I understand people say stock prices, shareholders, mm-hmm. uh, pre-orders, yeah. all of those things. But none of that matters when you when you change it because all of those things, the stockholders get mad, the share price gets goes down, the pre-orders get, people get freak out. Like you, whatever benefit you gained you lose when you have to, you know, eat crow and go, ah, sorry. Uh, so I don't understand at this point what, what is even the reason to announce a, a game's release date unless it has gone gold. Well, we, we talked about it a little bit on paid DLC, Jeff. And I want to go back to those days of walking into Babbage's and being like, it's out? <laughs> I mean, that's how, as an old, that was the experience, you know? It was in a magazine it'd be like this game's coming out and you'd be like when and it's like we don't know and then you'd show up to babbage's eb games or whatever and it'd be on the the whiteboard of like this week's games it'd be like echo the dolphin that sounds incredible and then you'd buy it and now it does seem like yeah I, i put this in the discord i wonder if there is a way where companies could announce in their financials like um Starfield is in the financial call, right? Or whatever. Like Starfield, we have these anticipated releases for the Q4 2022 and list them. And it's there and it's boring. And then, of course, outlets would pick up on them. Polygon would write about it, IGN, whatever, we write about it. And then they would say something like, when we reached out to Microsoft for comment, Microsoft said, you can read what we said in our financials. When we're ready to announce things to our fans, we will do so. Like, just let that that be that. Can that be that? How hard is it to say? We're making a game called Starfield. Here's the logo. We're targeting late 2022. But we will release it when it is ready. We are currently targeting 2022. And then you go, well, our target has shifted. 
You know, I, I, I don't know. Miles, tell me, tell me why Christian and I are wrong. Where's the sexy marketing in that, guys? All right? Oh, ew, a vague window? Ew. That doesn't get anyone. It's unfortunately a lot of it just caters to in some for some companies, the shareholders. That's not the case for everyone. But I think 90% of it really is that the marketing beast, these games take five, six years to develop. They need that full year, two years of just marketing energy that goes into it. So there's all of these kind of demands and dominoes in place that are designed to feed the marketing beast. So everyone knows that Starfield is coming 11, 11, 22. And like you said, they announced that a year and a half ahead. I thought for sure, like if you're going to do that, you're giving yourself a buffer. You're giving yourself plenty of time to polish, make sure it is pristine, is going to look great. And the only reason you're doing that is to kind of cater to the anniversary of Skyrim. But in this case, we learned it was just, it sounded cool on paper. Let's do the anniversary of Skyrim. Let's see if we can make it happen, guys. Come on. We're going to announce it to millions and millions and millions of people and see if we can do it. And then like we didn't even get, a. it's coming 30 days later, 60 days later. They just said 2023. So yeah. we saw pictures a couple weeks ago with Phil Spencer, Todd Howard, all the, the Xbox and Bethesda team like smiling together like, yeah, we're at Bethesda Studios. And then a week later, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, oof, we, we saw it and it's going to need some more time. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the reality is there, but clearly these teams feel they need more time. And I'm someone who doesn't really mind, but I agree that there's all this frustration that comes with that when you promise something and then time and time and time again, you say, just kidding. Actually, no, it would be a softer blow, like you said, if they just gave us a vague window for when they're targeting it. And then, you know, six weeks out, imagine how hyped that would be if they were just like, boom, yes. here's a new trailer for Starfield. Boom, here's the release date for Starfield. Month and a half, you can play it. Imagine they did it for Fallout. Yeah, they've done it. They've, they've been they there did and it they've with done Fallout it. 4. It was great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is what I was saying to my friends this week. If, if there was a weatherman that told you the weather and was wrong every single time, they would no longer be a weatherman, right? How are they at, how are they at traffic on the 20s, though? Well, they, you know? they're yeah, sick That's the that, real question. Know, okay, sick so, on the yeah. tra- traffic stop. That, that explains it, so. Yeah. No, but I, to me, at a certain point, when a big game like this gets a release date announcement and everybody... You know, me on the show, ha, 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 us on the show. But literally everybody is like, how long until the delay? And then the delay happens. It's it's a joke, right? It's a joke at this point. And I'm not I'm not saying I'm not laying this at the feet of Bethesda or Microsoft or even anybody specific. It's an industry problem. It's an industry problem. And you say, you know, the PR machine has to rev up. Yes, I, I, I totally understand that. But it's wasted PR now, right? All of those. 11, you know, 11, whatever it was, 11, 22, whatever it was, banners that they posted, there's wasted money, right? What, what it, it, none of it makes any sense to me. It just feels like the whole industry has to take a long look in the mirror and go, are we just wasting everybody's time by doing this and, and costing ourselves money? And it, it's just a no win situation. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, it's, yeah, right. it's one of those situations where I've talked about this previously and, for the companies who are beholden to shareholders, if you're investing in the video game industry, these companies need to have hard conversations with these folks about what that means and what that looks like. Because, and yeah, in some cases, they are just trying to keep the shareholders happy, keeping, you know, making sure that they're 
they're going to get a return on their investment in a reasonable time frame, blah, 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 all that boring stuff that people outside of that world don't care about at all. But so much of that, you know, not, not crunch in terms of actual crunch, but the, the, the crunch to have a date out into the world is driven by mechanics like that. And, you know, if you're coming in to make money on video games, obviously there's money to be made, but yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, a lot of people's time and energy and excitement is just wasted yeah. every time there's a major delay like this. One I also got, you know, there was some indication. I don't know how much credence to give this. Enough but of there was Clearwater. Some, what? There was Clearwater to go with that credence. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, there's a revival of both of them. <laughs> um, the, the I'm old. We both are. Uh, the, uh, the, the, I don't know how, how, how much to, you know, stock to put into this, but there was some Reddit post, uh, supposedly a leak, somebody with insider information before the, before the announcement ever happened saying that Starfield wasn't looking good, that QA testers were having lots of problems with it, that it was it really looked, looked aged, you know, that it's the, the, uh, the engine did not look sharp, that there was a lot of problems. And then, you know, like a week after that hit Reddit, there was the delay announcement. Miles, have you heard any whiffs of that? Do you put any stock into that? What do you make of that? Yeah, if I remember correctly, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg put out a statement or put out an article basically saying that he had talked to people anonymously within Bethesda and people were throwing the term the next cyberpunk was the yeah. quote that was kind of blowing up online. And if, if you are a major video game publisher, you do not want your massive video game to ever be associated with cyberpunk. That was such an astronomical disaster in the AAA space. All of the goodwill that uh, CD Projekt Red built up with The Witcher and its free DLC and that kind of saga was destroyed. All of the energy and excitement for cyberpunk, the game was destroyed. It had a huge spike the first month and the sales drop off were was something we had never seen of a game of that caliber. So that's scary. If people are throwing that around and that leaks, and then we have to look at the reality of Xbox, the, this huge entity and Microsoft, this huge entity, the promise and the reason we're, we're supposed to be excited about them acquiring these studios and acquiring these teams is they are telling us that that means the quality of their games will be better. These These teams will be able to make the best games they've ever made. And then if Starfield comes out and it's just a, buggy mess that is such a bad look for xbox's messaging over the last few years and that's such a kind of slap into the face of the people who did buy into this idea that okay maybe these teams will have not only a better work environments but will be able to put out better quality games so yes i i don't i haven't talked to anyone personally but i i do believe there is some some credence to that especially if people like jason schreier are officially putting their names on reports associated with those comments it is interesting. Uh, evidently, we will be seeing a big reveal on that June twelfth uh, Xbox conference. Uh, th that the promise alongside this delay announcement was, "Hey, you're gonna see a big chunk of gameplay soon." So I, I'm I'm I can't imagine it won't be that that big conference that we will see uh, lots of of Starfield and maybe Redfall as well. Uh, so, you know, we, we will get a chance to at least, at least see it in action. I think that'll be a very telling, but, um, Christian, do you think this is something to be genuinely worried about as far as the quality of this game? Do you think it could be the next cyberpunk 
Because if you had asked me before Cyberpunk came out, I would have said, CD Projekt Red, no chance. Uh, yes, I think it could be the way I think any game could be. Uh, what's Dave sign off on Filmcast? You know, hey, they made a movie. Like yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's amazing that they made a movie. Yeah. Yes, and and not ironic, right? And making a game is making a movie, except you have to build the camera, create the actors, like all the stuff that goes into movie making, plus all the stuff that goes into game making. So yeah, I I've, I I think you know whatever the next Last of Us, if they make one, could be the next Cyberpunk. I think any game could be the next Cyberpunk until it's not. Um, Bethesda. I think before Cyberpunk, it was the last Fallout 76, <laughs> you know, like right. Bethesda's yeah, had go. their Bethesda own. made it, yeah. They, they've had their own janky games before, and they get better. Fallout has 76 has certainly gotten better. Um, I, I think what's interesting about this delay announcement is, one, it was a, a tweet and the way they bundled both of them together, which I think is interesting, which I think, you know, if it was just Redfall, I think, uh, people maybe want to be, it's like it attached Redfall to um, uh, Starfield in a very interesting way. Like they're both getting this delay. They're kind of riding together. I also think this pandemic is not over. And while working from home is viable and works well, there are still, and I think companies can continue doing that. A lot of studios have transitioned to full-time work from home. And I think that's fantastic. But I think there was transition time and, you know, you have sure. to relearn some things. And so I'm sure well, that ate up time. But not only I- that, but, you know, Miles mentioned it a little bit in passing, too, is that we're kind of seeing this this entire industry make a transition to try to be a little more humane to the employees and try to move away from a crunch culture. And, and so we're in this weird transition period for the entire industry as they're trying to figure out a different methodology for those last several months before a game releases. So maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah. Uh, my last my last point was I do think it's interesting that in this bundle of delay news, they do say that we're going to show you a lot of it in June, which I don't I don't know if that's supposed to get me excited or it's like, hey, your mom and I got you that bike you want. You will not get it on your birthday. I will show it to you the month before your birthday. And then I'm going to hide it again for several. It just feels weird to be like, we're going to show you a whole bunch of it. That game you thought you'd be playing soon thereafter. You're not. You don't know. You're not. We're going to show you so. You're going to want to play it so bad. You're going to see this game. You're going to be like, you're going to be like, this is a game I want for my Christmas. And we're going to be like, no, you don't get it. But we're going to. It just feels weird. It feels weird. Well, I don't know. My, you know, so my last uh, thread uh, on this discussion, Miles, I'm I'm very curious, especially as somebody who is so tied into the Xbox slash Microsoft ecosystem, what this does for the end of the year. Because obviously, as we as we led into this story, these were the pillars, right? These were the 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 pillar releases for this platform and Game Pass in general. Uh, so what do you think this does? Do you, what are your, what's your feeling about how holiday is going to shape up for the Xbox as a platform? It's going to be a really interesting year because we're coming off of 2021, which Xbox had an incredible holiday season. Uh, Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, two huge games, a lot of momentum. They're, the last quarter, they had their best non-holiday quarter ever. So they had, they have all this huge momentum going into this year. And obviously with 
Xbox Game Pass, they're building the subscription service. They're trying to tell people that you will get exciting games, whether they be third party, but primarily they're leaning into the fact that the differentiation for their subscription is the fact that you get to play their first party exclusives free, quote unquote, within this subscription. And they don't have anything on paper right now. So I, I do believe that come June, we will get a few surprises that will come to kind of fill some of those gaps. I don't think there's going to be anything on the caliber of Starfield. Unfortunately, that is that dream is gone. There's not going to be a game big enough to fill that hole for their holiday season. Yeah. So I hope that they lean into some of the smaller scale projects they, they have in the works. And I hope they lean into some big third party releases for Xbox Game Pass. Otherwise... The momentum for Xbox Game Pass in particular for the rest of the year is going to be pretty negative. And I imagine, you know, there's there has there's a potential to have a drop off in subscribers, because if you are someone who says I'm subscribing for the exclusives on Xbox, this year is kind of a a wash right now in in that regard. So I'm really hoping that they bring it when it comes to exciting partnerships, stuff maybe we wouldn't see coming um, because, yeah, on paper, uh, if you only have an Xbox console right now. If you're ignoring the third party stuff, because there is still a lot of great games. Um, yeah, Game Pass. It's it's a tougher sell right now, if we're being honest. Yeah, I mean, I would say, Christian, I would say advantage Sony, except, you know, countdown to the God of War delay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it feels like it's only a matter of time. Like God of War was just holding its cards, waiting, and like, oh, Starfield's delayed. Whew. Okay, God of War delayed to 2023. <laughs> yeah. Uh Christian, you think the, yeah. you think God of War is going to delay you? How do you see a holiday? I mean, obviously, we're not past the traditional E3 window where we this all comes much more into focus. But sitting here right now on the precipice of it in May, what's your take on holiday 2022? Uh, yeah, I mean, did God of War give us a release date? Did, no. did they say? No. So, I think they said uh, this year. I think that has been said. I think, but I don't I think, think you're there's right. Any, any date. Feel, and I mean, it's kind of similar to uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. They've shown a lot of that game. They haven't given a date. It's a this year. And I kind of like that. Yeah. It's like, don't get me wrong. I want it to come out. So I'm excited to know the date, but I, it, they, I don't think they've given one. Um, would I be surprised if God of War is delayed? No. Do I? What? What's big this holiday? Elden Ring? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it does seem like we were spoiled so hard these first four months of 2022. What's well, because all that stuff was supposed to come out at the end of last year. I know. I know. We're so going to be spoiled hard at the beginning of 2023 too, Christian. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious if we do kind of, you know, limp into the holiday, but yeah. we just got, consoles- you know what we got to do? We got to move. Christmas and Hanukkah <laughs> and uh, you know I'm gonna move all delayed. of our gift giving season to yeah. March. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think uh, if these boxes are available, they will still have a decent holiday, a good holiday quarter, right? Just because getting the consoles are still hard for folks. There's great games to be played on them still, yeah. especially if you haven't been able to get them before. Xbox is still an attractive. I mean, Game Pass is still an attractive thing. Um, but it does seem like that window is open for like, uh, something that gets announced at E3 that actually hits, you know, the back half of this year could steal some thunder and, and really make some waves. Cause it did seem like Starfield was that, you know, King Kong hanging from the empire state building, like clear out the release schedule. Um, and now who knows, who knows, who knows indeed. Well, 
It's going to be interesting. I think uh, it, it really makes the Xbox presentation in June uh, more exciting and interesting. And it, it makes uh, all the stuff we're going to find out in that uh, artist formerly known as E3 period, uh, <laughs> the Summer Games Fest, I guess we have to call it. Uh, it's going to make that, that whole period very, much, more, much more interesting because it, it's just this it's giant, uh, just giant gap in the release schedule. You know, it's like when, uh, you know, Fast and the Furious gets moved out of summer or something. It's like, everybody's like, whoa, what are we going to... There's a huge tent pole that's just been... The tent is now collapsing. <laughs> so uh, we will see what happens. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week? Well, Dead Space got a release. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that... I mean, we can talk about that. That's not my story of the week. Um, we got... 13 minutes of gameplay footage um, of uh, Gotham Knights. And speaking of delays, kind of, we also got news that it is no longer coming to last-gen consoles. Xbox One and PlayStation 4 was previously announced as that cross-gen um, release. This game also has played uh, release date shuffle where there was a time where this and suicide squad were both in the same year. There was a time where Gotham Knights was last year, I think. Um, in like a very winky, like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and suicide squad was October of this year. Again, with a winky, like you wrote that in dry erase marker, I hope. Right. Cause there's <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. Um, and it wasn't. And now got Arkham Knights has taken that October release date. And this was the first time they showed a in-depth chunk of, of gameplay again for it after a kind of a, I think it was a year ago, maybe they had Batgirl and some gameplay. Um, I don't know if either of you watched it. I'll stop there and I'll just say, I have some thoughts. Did either of you uh, take in these 13 minutes of, of, of gameplay? Uh, I did. I did. I did dive into it. I'm uh Again, I'm a big multiplayer guy. So when I heard that this was going to have co-op in some capacity, that piqued my interest. I loved Arkham Asylum. Loved Arkham City. Arkham Knight, I did enjoy. Um, so I'm excited for more in that universe. And like you said, we've heard about this game for a long time. And we did get gameplay kind of sort of with its reveal. But this was the first deep dive of, of what this is going to look like. Um, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I've seen uh, a lot of passionate takes because obviously it's DC. Uh, so people have their expectations. Um, I'll just their Oscar say winning their Oscar winning moments that are, you know, yeah. passionate DC fans yeah. making sure computer bots get they the, won the Oscar fan vote. Just accept it and move on. All right. Come on. <laughs> Snyderverse forever. Um, I wasn't blown away. I'll just say that. Like it didn't look bad by any means, but after that kind of deep 13 minutes, I'm not rushing out to get a day one unless they show me something else that kind of looks a little bit better. Uh, I watched it as well. Um, interestingly, that alongside these 13 minutes was the announcement that it is not coming out for the previous yeah. generation of consoles. Look how and cool it, it looks. You in, can't get it. In that context, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not looking at that going, wow, the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 can't do that. You know, that's not the feeling I got was like, wow, obviously it can't come out on old gen because whoa. way better than Horizon Forbidden West. This is <laughs> right. Right. Um you I mean I think it's interesting to do a Batman game with no Batman. I think that's that's bold already. 
And it definitely has a lot more kind of RPG-ness to it, which I'm into. I like that about in in games in general. I'm I'm into those systems. And I think that's a cool layer to add onto the Arkham template and really feels like it's different. It's not just a skin for the Arkham games. But I know you have some much stronger feelings, Christian. <laughs> I I love these games. Um, I liked Arkham Origins a lot, which is the WB Montreal game, who is the team behind this, uh, Gotham Knights. It launched rough. Um, I think for folks, there was an elevator glitch that would prevent you from progressing. Um, but I, I really liked that game. I thought it had a good narrative. I liked the way they leaned into detective mode a little bit more. Uh, this 13-minute trailer, yes, Jeff, to you, it does not scream next-gen only. Um or current gen only to me, it, it screams Arkham Knight. Uh, you know, like what I've been, what I played, what six years ago, and yeah. then just odd. I love comic books. I'm okay with changes. You can, you know, cast any sex or any race character to play any. It's not like the the defining character traits of Wolverine. He's white. That's it. That is the defining character trait of it's like, no, no, no. He has claws that come out of his hands. He has a healing factor sometimes like that's that's it. I don't you know, all that stuff. Change it. Change origin stories. Gives Peter web shooters in his skin. You know, all that stuff. I'm open to that stuff. This trailer, it just struck me as odd with one of the first things they show is Jason Todd, a.k.a. Red Hood. They're showing these characters traversing around the open world and you see Nightwing use. I think they call it like an air trapeze which like I get, but also like weird, (laughs) weird. And then Jason Todd comes and they're like, and he uses his soul power to jump and he's just double jumping through sky. He doesn't, he doesn't have that power in the comics. Again, you can change things if you, that's fine. It just felt weird as like the second thing we show you is like, and Jason Todd, here's that move where he jumps on nothing. You guys like, it's like, that's the, Hide that. Hide that. Put that in game somehow. Like, let me discuss. Feels weird. Feels very weird. Red Hood, he's got guns. He's a weird character to kind of do in a video game. They've had him in DLC before. And they're showing him, and one of his, like, guns and his perky things are armor-piercing, non-lethal bullets. What are they? What do they pierce through the armor and then tickle you? Like, what are they? What do they do? Yeah, they it's pierce weird. armor, Christian, not skin. <laughs> Not skin. They're armor piercing bullets, not skin piercing bullets. Not skin Duh. piercing. That, that is my bad. I will. As, you're right. That felt weird. And then the 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 fact that you're doing the kind of destiny equip loot grind also seemed odd to me for this game. Where again, changes to characters, I'm okay with, but I don't think of the bat family as uh, scrounging for tech from thugs. They took down. Yes. We took down a thug. a, a thug. Great. Take his night vision goggles. <laughs> you have the night. Vi- you're that person. Like it's not Red so Hood's much like, a utility fine. belt as a utility fanny pack that I can put new stuff in. <laughs> oh, this guy's got a belt. I'll take that belt. Good idea. <laughs> let me, let me grab this, this thug's gun or I'm going to get this currency like that aspect of it. Yeah. It but just feels, video game is going to video game, right? That is the answer. I yeah. don't think it's a good answer, especially because I know this is new and technically not connected to the Arkham franchise. Um, 
which feels weird because where that franchise kind of ended and where this one starts, but whatever, technically this is on its own and suicide squad connects that other, is that other one, but like they've, they've done these games so well and it didn't have that. And they had other ways there, there were unlocks and you would get like a better shock batarang and stuff like that. And so they've had skill trees before, but this kind of RPG destiny, uh, I hate to use the word because it's kind of like saying cyberpunk, but Avengers, um, Looter shooter, looter shooter approach feels forced. And I know this game has been delayed, but it, it feels dated. It feels of that uh, thing. And those are my biggest concerns. And then my other concerns about this 13 minutes of footage, the combat didn't look as tight as the prior games. Like I went back and replayed a bunch of Arkham city, which is probably the best of the Arkham games. I think I, I really like a lot of what Arkham Knight does, but it gets lost in vehicular combat. Some Arkham city feels pretty pure to me. Um, and, and there was stuff between playing that and watching these fights where I don't know if it's just still early, but like hits would whiff, but then the character would still go. It seems like they really lengthened in uh, Arkham Knights. It looks like they've lengthened that kind of slide from character to character, like the two human linking of things, mm. perhaps where the first yeah. or the other games certainly have that. Like Batman will definitely like step and then get a few more inches, you know, to link combos together. And I get it. This seems like it exaggerates it. And what they showed in this footage, which is all I can react to also feels like the set pieces are, or the combat encounters happen in these big bland kind of areas and I'm wondering, Miles, if that's because it needs to accommodate multiplayer in a way that wouldn't be as conducive if you were in some of those tighter spaces that the Arkham games were known for of like zipping up, hiding for 10 minutes. Like if we're playing together, you're like, all right, let's go clear the room. And I'm like, yeah, let's sit on this gargoyle for four minutes. <laughs> it, it, it's also weird that they have a superhero game that features four distinct superheroes. And the multiplayer is only two player. So it's like this weird half step. Like they weren't, they didn't want to commit to a single player only thing, but they didn't want to complete commit to full multiplayer, but they still have the loot system. So you have this destiny like loot system within a two player game. And, you know, I, I like RPG elements. I like the, you know, the progression that comes with that. I like seeing the bigger numbers get bigger, the, the yes. lizard brain stuff that's associated with that. <laughs> but what I can't stand with a lot of these games like uh, Division or even Cyberpunk is I'm getting a hoodie. I'm getting a red hoodie. And this this red hoodie, for whatever reason, has 50 more stat points than this red hoodie over here. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. So in Cyberpunk, I was wearing stupid like camo shorts and a tank top. <laughs> and that was apparently the best armor I could find in the entire game. So yeah. I just hey, hope they find a way to have make it meaningful. I have a good friend who wears camo shorts every day. And you take that disrespect out of your mouth, Miles. No you disrespect take that. Well, yeah, camo but shorts, you- all right? <laughs> And it, no it's a boomerang in his knees, they're not going to do anything, Christian. <laughs> we both know that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, it, yeah. And again, I'm reacting to the 13 minutes. I, I still am very excited to play the game, but I think like Miles, I'm not necessarily, you know, $300 statue pre-order. Um, yeah, that was my big question, because I think this was one of your most anticipated games of the year, right? Yeah, well, the good news is I, it won't hit this year, so I can put it up. They're still saying October. I hope point. it's good. I hope the loot stuff works out. I hope they release some of the costumes in the Ultimate Edition or one of the editions, too, and they 
Don't look great. Um, yeah. We'll see, Jeff. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, now that Suicide Squad's out of the way, you know, it doesn't have to worry about getting in the way of that. Uh, by the way, we're going to be playing Suicide Squad and uh, Starfield all in March, you know, and what, you think, like, you like think, two others. Let's play this game. When is, uh, let's give Starfield a month. I feel like that's what it's going to be March, April. I, th- I don't think it's going to, I mean, Maybe it's going to be a whole year away. I doubt it. it. It didn't feel like a year delay to me. It felt like a thing that that happened to Horizon and happen, happens to everything where it's supposed to come out in November. Now it's coming out in April or uh, March. You know, in in February or March. I think that's what it's going to be. I think I think Redfall will be the March ish one, and I think as much as Xbox fans will want to hear this, I think Starfield will be later. Wow, um, you think I don't... you think it's like a fall twenty twenty three? Xbox wants that wants that big get hype holiday game. And if Hellblade isn't going to be that next year, which that was the one I was kind of expecting to be their big like holiday 2023 release. Um, if that isn't it, then I don't it's hard to say that Starfield would get pushed all the way to next fall, but I I could see it getting pushed past the first quarter for sure. Wow. Yeah, I don't think Fable is next fall. I, I think you know that's another big franchise they've talked a, about. A Gears of War. Maybe a Gears. I don't think uh, uh, Perfect Dark is next fall. Uh, we haven't heard anything about a Gears, so maybe they have a Gears surprise. I've heard about a Gears Master Chief collection um, from people where I can say that I've heard about it. <laughs> no confirmed. Now that we know that, now that, we know that Master Chief gets funky, maybe he's in the yeah, Gears yeah, franchise too. Let's you know? get weird with it. That's, that's where <laughs> I'm at. Um, yeah, I think I'm with Miles. I think Redfall still is first. And I don't think Redfall is January 10, you know? Mm. And so Starfield, I think, is either summer and it's like, a, you know, don't go on vacation. We have your summer plans kind of moment, something, or it's going to be that holiday game. Wow. Wow. A year. Well, I mean, like the pulling a halo, basically. Like, yeah, the put, fact put, that put we the flag get down window at all. That's where I'm like, I don't know. They well, don't know. Maybe. I, I mean, you know, go back, go back to my earlier comments. I, I kind of like that. We, we don't we didn't give you a new date like just tell us when you're actually putting it out like hey yes. the good news is it's done you know that's what <laughs> i want that's the next thing i want to hear is it's done here's when it's coming out but uh yeah that would be wild i mean that's that's what halo did that's what cyberpunk did and it still didn't work so i don't know what's uh what's your story jeff my story is i mean i i mean obviously that starfield story is the is the biggest story of the week it's an earth-shattering one or a year-shattering one, I should say. Uh, but <laughs> I love it when we get a Nintendo Switch indie showcase, and we got one this week. They used to be called the Nindies, and I love I love me a portmanteau. So I don't know why we've stopped calling them the Nindies, but now it is officially called the Nintendo Switch Indie Showcase, as bland and on the nose as that is. But I don't even know what that's talking about anymore. Like, what are they? Is this is this where they finally show me the new Mario game? Like, what gets shown at this showcase? <laughs> well, it turns out a lot of really cool stuff was shown at this showcase. I don't know if you guys got to see uh, all the stuff that was announced, but I, you know, Silk I Song? love I love indie Silk, games. I love Silk Song, Hollow Knight, Silk Song. Was that there? No Hollow Knights, no Hollow Knights. But, but there the was Hollow a Knight lot of expansion. Was there? No. <laughs> Again, no. <laughs> uh, but a lot of really cool stuff. I, I love the indie space. Uh, there's so much energy, so much creativity, so much different there. Oftentimes, some of my favorite games of the year are games that are in these kinds of showcases that are indie games. I mean, the uh, 
Vampire Survivors of the World, the uh, Rogue Legacies of the World, the, these indie games that uh, just have so much character, so are, are so addictive and so fun. And I tell you, looking at the slate that Nintendo was showing here, a lot of these not Switch exclusives, a lot of them available already on Steam, some of them available on iOS and Android, some uh, coming soon, but so many of them caught my eye as something really cool and clever. Um, I would love to hear what you guys uh, saw if if you checked out this showcase, if there are any games that stood out to you. But I'll point out a couple of the ones that uh, caught my eye. I, I love a card battling game and a Wild Frost looks looks pretty cool. Um, there's a game called Soundfall, which looks like it is a mix between a rhythm game and like a dungeon looter shooter, which is like, yes, yes, do that. Uh, and it looks to be really cool. It has kind of an anime cutscene look, and uh, visually it is re- really striking. Uh, that's called Soundfall. Um, this game, Batora Lost Heaven or Batora Lost Lost Haven, <laughs> uh, which, which looks cool. It looks like a twin stick kind of hack and slasher. Um, awesome. And then you know some things that always stand out in these showcases because they're so, so different. There's a game called Wayward Strand, which is like the trailer is a little girl going in to see her grandma. (laughs) It's the whole trailer. And I'm like, yeah, yes, that is the spirit of indie games. Literally going in to see her sick grandma. Uh, Evidently, this is a, a narrative adventure set in the 1970s in rural Australia. So, you know, another one of those games. Uh, and, uh, you'll be, uh, uh, playing out the stories of over a dozen characters. Um, I just, I, you know, I love that video games can be that as, as well. So lots of really cool stuff in the Nintendo showcase. Uh, Miles, did, are there any games that caught your eye? I'm glad you got amped up about Soundfall Cause that for me is that's the standout. That was the one that as soon as I saw that and watched them explain what it is and show what it is. Yeah, and it was one of those ones. It was it was out now, so it's out yeah. on pretty much everything: Xbox, PlayStation, Switch. But Nintendo does a really good job with these showcases, kind of curating really cool stuff. And they do a, yes, they stress that it's from different countries, so you get a lot right. of non English speaking people talking about their games. And there's this cool energy and excitement, and these people get to be part of a a Nintendo showcase. Which, if you're an indie developer indie developer that has to be such a cool experience so i always love tuning in they always have something worth getting excited about you know as much as people want to see silk song at the indie showcase i yeah. think silk song is it's a beast of its own at this point it's like cuphead where it's it's an indie but it's going to be at the main showcase it's going to mm-hmm. be at a big nintendo direct but right. soundfall far and away the one that got me the most amped up christian any uh, uh picks from you who you didn't mention? One Gunbrella, yeah, uh, yes. which yes. great title, <laughs> great title, and it looks like it has, you know, maybe a little Celeste in there, but a little more action in terms of how you do it, but like an action platformer, precision platformer, which I think is great. Also, so it, it yeah, like a penguin, basically an umbrella that's also a gun, and it also does umbrella. Kind of looked a little things. bit like Broforce to me. That game. Oh, Bro interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And it also reminded me of was it, was it the late '90s or early aughts? Maybe it was mid '90s. Where like P Diddy's man guy was like super into umbrellas, like his his <laughs> chauffeur. Do you mean he had, like a, a luxury umbrella? Man guy. Well, I forget what he, he called him like his his man fur, but it's like a show. I don't. It doesn't matter. Hype man. Um, 
Yeah, but he had like he was like always very well dressed, and he sold like luxury umbrellas that became like his. That was his thing, you know. Anyway. Yeah. And then uh, elect head, electro head. Yeah. What's it called? Elect head. Um, uh, yeah. Where is it? It's, uh, it's oh. um. I can look it up. Yeah. But elect, it just looked like elect head. Yeah, it looked like such a classic throwback to like I would be playing that all weekend on my Super Nintendo, like a puzzle platformer 2d platformer kind of thing with yeah. a really cool look and aesthetic and i think between that and gumbrella like both of those speak yeah, to two games i love you play it's a 2d platformer you play as a character named alec and he can detach and throw his head to trigger things remotely hence alec head there you go use your it says use love your it. head both literally and figuratively <laughs> I loved Headlander. This looks very different than Headlander. Very different. Um, yeah. But I love that. I love that. I think both of those games are, seem super fun. Already on Steam, Alekhead. Uh, you can play right now on Steam, but it will be hitting Switch this summer. Um, Which is the other good thing about these showcases, as Miles mentioned, where it's like, for all I know, that's been on Steam for 10 years. <laughs> right? And yes. you just don't. You, I'm like, this might be my game of the year. Like, that came out in 1992. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no clue. It's been on Steam for three years. Uh, well, uh, there's a lot of stuff on Steam I'm not aware of, <laughs> turns out. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, there's a game called We Are OFK, which looks, which looks kind of neat. It's like literally people in their 20s trying to break in the music business. Um, I just love, I love indie games. Uh, yeah, they showed. I think Sony showed some of that. Uh, yeah, before. Yeah, and Cult of the Lamb, which I know is uh, coming yeah. out on everything. Yeah, that looks. Uh, really that did either of you play game. Gato Roboto? I don't think. No, I did not. I so that is the developer of Gunbrella. That's their previous mm. game. I don't know if it's still in Xbox Game Pass, but it was, mm. and it's such a good Metroid like, such a classic Metroid like, mm. where you play a a cat inside of a mech. Um, oh yes, 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 yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, a really simple black and white art style. You can get basically skins that do like monochrome or make it look like Virtual Boy and all of these kind of two-tone colors. So good, about three hours long, but absolutely amazing. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out and you're excited about Gumbrella, play that in the meantime because that's really, really good. The the name again is what? Gato Robato. Gato Robato. I love it. Feels like a, a game where the title came first, and they're like, "We can make a game where you're a cat and a robot at the same time." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like. It's awesome. As opposed to Gunbrella, which is yeah. like, "I got our next game, everybody, everybody, everybody in, I got it, and it looks great." Uh, well, that is the uh, the indie showcase. Uh, really cool stuff. All of it, hopefully, coming also to Steam Deck. All right, <laughs> it's been on Steam Deck for three years. It's Jeff. true. You understand it's what true. we said? <laughs> it's true. Uh, all right, let's talk about the games that we have been playing this week. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Indeed. Do you have hiring goals? Do you hire people? Are you a hirer? Are you hiring? Well, that's uh, that's good because. Uh, you don't have to wait for the right candidates to find you. Now you can find them first with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. And instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, 
You could just have one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other, jo- all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Join more than three million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with $75 of sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash DLC. The offer, again, is Indeed.com slash DLC. Go to Indeed.com slash DLC to claim your $75 credit at Indeed.com slash DLC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Let's talk about the games we've been playing in a segment we call... The playlist. Among the numerous reasons I'm glad you're here, Miles, is because you have been playing a game that has been getting a ton of positive buzz, at least among my friends and the folks that I follow on Twitter. And that's the Evil Dead game. Uh, do you have uh, as positive a report on this one as some of the folks that I've been reading? Let's go. Okay, I'll preface some things by saying that first and foremost, huge Evil Dead fan. Evil Dead 2, one of my fa- top three films of all time. Absolutely love it. I'm a huge fan of multiplayer games. When I saw homie Jeff Keeley reveal an asymmetrical five-player Evil Dead game a few years ago, I couldn't believe it was even a real thing. I couldn't believe that it existed at all. And then I remember looking at the trailer and saying, this is, this, this is not what the game is going to look like. This looks way too good. The animations look polished. The graphics look f- incredible. And I'm like, it's not going to look like this. But I wanted to be excited. Um, did some previews over the course of the last few months. Kind of got my hands on it. And I've in, on launch day, I think I played for 10 hours. Wow. I, I put 10 hours in in a day. Um, I love it. it it's I will say it's not going to be for everyone, but if you have a squad, if you like MOBAs in particular, if you like Mm. battle royales, and if you like horror in general, it's this weird amalgamation Frankenstein of all of my favorite multiplayer games. So it's basically four players play as Ash and the the rest of the gang, and one person plays as the uh, villain with the the evil spirit, which can be Henrietta, if you've seen the films, uh, Evil Ash from Army of Darkness, and they all have different kits, and they basically act as a dungeon master. So they control the battlefield, they can spawn minions in, they can take control of a character, but it's this really beautiful blend of, of great combat, because as much as I love Friday the 13th, Dead by Daylight, games in that vein... I will be the first to admit that the combat and the gameplay in general for those, isn't that great? Like the dead by daylight, love it. So many great licenses, but the generator mechanic, it's not a great gameplay mechanic. It's, it's a quick time event. It's not that good. 
Evil Dead has amazing moment to moment gameplay. So it's not like Dead by Daylight where the world, the characters, the environment is great, but everything else you put up with, um, they learn some lessons from those other games and everything about it is it's it's not like the best game ever made, but it is way better than it has any right to be. And even as a huge Evil Dead fan, I was not expecting this game to really hit on the level that it does. So, um, yeah, uh, I've sold a lot of people on it. I have a lot of friends who are skeptical and said, I don't know, who are playing it and actively playing it every single day. So, um, yeah, highly, highly recommend it if you have a group of friends and want something really cool and unique in the multiplayer space. I'm so curious that you referenced uh, MOBAs as as something that it's like, because, you know, obviously it's a you know third person action game in in, in sort of uh, structure. Uh, tell me why why you reference MOBAs as as being something like, hey, if you like MOBAs, you'll you'll dig this. Okay, yeah, the MOBA one is that's that is one that I don't see a lot of people talk about. But when you look at the fundamentals, there are distinct character classes. So you have your roles in a match. There's support. There's warrior, which is like a melee attacker. There's a leader, which provides buffs, and then there's a hunter, which is like your ranged attacker. They have ultimate abilities. Um, each character has different stats. And then within a match, while you're looting to get better uh, weapons, kind of like Fortnite style, there's a rarity system where your orange gun, for example, will be the best version of that gun. You also pick up pink F, which is an upgrade point, and you can upgrade your stats within a match. So if you're focusing on melee, for example, you can focus more points into melee and you can kind of look at what the demon is and how the demon is playing and upgrade your stats to counter that. So if you've mm. played stuff like Smite, or League of Legends, you'll be familiar with that kind of that that dance, that back and forth where right. you can't play the same every single time. You have to play to your team and you have to play to what the demon's doing. So every single match has that variety. Um, so that's where the MOBA elements kind of come in. That's really cool. That's one of my favorite things about MOBAs is that is that feeling of being in an accelerated RPG where you're just leveling up and you're reacting in, in real time like that. It's That's very cool. Um, so couple of other questions. First of all, these asymmetrical games, sometimes the, the downside is that one of the two sides of the game, one of the two factions, is much more fun than the other. Did you experience that? Is it more fun playing the Ash and sort of good guys side or the demon side? Is there one that's, that's much different, better? How did, what's your take? I would say so far, this probably is my favorite in terms of I actually enjoy playing the, the demon like uh, as much as I do enjoy playing the humans because the human gameplay feels great. But the demon gameplay is also really incredible because especially if you're a fan of the source material, you got that dramatic first person camera. So when you're moving around the map, you're blowing through trees, you're blowing through fences. So you have this sense of just power. And you make a noise. So when you are the demon near somebody, you don't see an entity, but you hear it and you feel mm. their presence around you. And then it's not just that. You can take control of a player. You can possess one of the humans, and then you can go in and you can shock them, buddies. One of my favorite things about being the, the demon is you can possess vehicles. So in the map, there's cars mm. that you can get in, you can drive, you can get into a vehicle and you can just either drive it off a cliff. Let's say they're trying to get to an objective. You can get in the car and just drive it in the complete opposite direction, or you can be a total dick. You can turn that car around and you can just slam them into trees. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool mechanics. You can possess the trees, you can set traps. So it's this cool blend of passive gameplay and active active gameplay when you're the demon. And then when you're the survivors, it's just all action moment to moment gameplay. And there's this really satisfying loop of, of 
progressing, collecting loop, leveling up, and then having these kind of choke points where you have the big showdown and you have the the epic battle between you and all of the demons. And yeah, they just do a really good job making both roles feel really, really great. That sounds great, man. That sounds awesome. The other potential downfall without an Evil Dead license feels like, I mean, everybody wants to be Bruce Campbell, right? Uh, it's Bruce Campbell, and then who are the other schlubs? Like, what? What is the? What are the other characters? So I'm a big Evil Dead nerd. Um, so there are 13 characters in it right now. Uh, there are four Ashes. There are four variants of Ash, one for each class. And the way they do it is they have Ash from Evil Dead 1. They have Ash from Evil Dead 2. They have Ash from Army of Darkness. And they have Ash from Ash versus Evil Dead. So if you want to be Ash every single time, you can be Ash every single time. Uh, they also have, if you've seen Army of Darkness, they have Henry the Red. They have King Arthur. Uh, so these right. really outlandish characters. And then, again, if you... For nerds like myself, a lot of the original cast from Evil Dead 1, 2, and the TV show, which not enough people watch, really, really love the TV show, but Pablo and Kelly from the TV show are in that. And um, I didn't get any confirmation, but I sat down with the team to kind of poke and prod about what the season one pass is going to include in terms of new content. And there will be more characters from Evil Dead 1, 2, 3, Ash versus Evil Dead, and hopefully the Evil Dead remake. Um which is another fantastic film. And I'm excited to see them kind of branch into that. And then there's also rise of the evil dead, the upcoming movie, which I imagine with their kind of games as a service component, they'll lean into that as well. And Dr. Strange and Scarlet witch also. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Damn Raimi joint. Let's get Dr. Strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Christian, are you, uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised at the overwhelming positivity I've been hearing from everybody who's played this. Are you tempted by evil dead, the game? Had this been any other week, Jeff, yeah, I would have been playing Evil Dead the game. I am tempted. I, I have my Necronomicon edition, my unauthorized yeah. director's cut edition, um, my theatrical release. Like, yeah, I have a signed version somewhere from uh, Bruce and Sam. Uh, I, I am in. I am into this franchise. Um, I, I think the thing that uh, the questions that I'd had about it were one the loop to keep me coming back. Like I feel like the Friday, the third Friday, the 13th. Yeah. Friday, the 13th. I had tons of fun with that the first weekend or maybe two weekends. And then it kind of, it, it had a knockoff knockout city was the next game. Like mm-hmm. knockout city, very different game, but it like consumed me for a little while. And then it, it fell off. And I'm curious the legs of this game. Now that I've missed opening week, Will it keep going? But I like the fact that they seem to have a good relationship with the IP, <laughs> unlike uh, the legal mess that is Jason. Yeah. So I, I could see myself coming to this game, and I could also see this game becoming pretty cheap when one of these expansions come out, like a summer sale. It seems ripe for that if they're able to hit on these uh, future content packs. Evil Dead the game again. Uh, the early part of 2022, uh, having all these unexpected uh, great experiences. I, I mean, it, it just seems like even when we think, "Hey, we're in a lull," oh, these games come out. It's like everybody's talking about how great they are. It's, it's been uh, uh, abundance of riches in 2022, and even though we're losing these games at the end of the year, it's probably you know it's not a, not a shortage of great stuff to play. Very cool, uh, Christian. What's on your playlist? So what I have been playing is a lot of my Steam Deck, which is still currently 
probably my favorite system that I've owned. I mean, recency for sure. Uh, but I love it. You know, whatever it's been now, a week and a half, two weeks. I absolutely love it. And, and Jeff um, or Miles, Jeff and I talk about on this show that point in games where convenience trumps fidelity. And yes. we've gotten to that point. We, a universal we, the royal we. I think as a society, we've gotten to that point, most of us, with TV and movies where Netflix is good enough. I, I'm curious how many Netflix subscribers pay for the 4K, 4K tier. I when do. they have a four, that's one. Thank you. <laughs> when they have a 4K TV, I'm curious how many folks have 4K TVs and don't either know or have think it's too expensive and don't even pay for the 4K tier. Even with that 4K tier, it's not the same as having the disc and all the bits and the bops and the boops. But convenience trumps. What my Steam Deck has shown me, Jeff, is that I'm there with games. Like I'm there with games if they control poorly because of a cloud-based thing or something like it's totally egregious then yeah no of course i want the i want the thing but the wild thing about my steam deck is i have all these games on my beefy 3080 computer it's not like oh i need to buy another. it's i literally have it's the same thing i have a beautiful big 4k monitor with hdr and whatever 240 uh hertz yeah. refresh uh, monster gpu but your computer like, is not com- compatible with bed it, it, thank you it's not compatible with uh waiting for the pasta to boil and you know the quick turn off like i'm playing yeah. right there and just bop it you know just boop, put it into hibernate mode any game i can just pick right back up i've heard a few people have had problems with that i haven't had any like oh i'm playing lego star wars skywalker saga this is such a fun space oh pasta's boiled boop put it down get it going and just that ease of use of pc gaming um but it means that you've had so much more pasta lately dude every night is pasta night now i'm like kids we're making a big pot today and they're like it's just us and i'm like big pot boil water (laughs) and then i watch it too i make my kids watch it because i'm playing games because a watch pot never boils yeah so i'm like kids watch this pot and i'm like (laughs) playing games um so i love my steam deck a lot of steam deck and i have one game specifically that i want to talk about and then before that x cloud on my Steam Deck is a killer app. At home with my good Wi-Fi, it is a killer app. And I hope that Xbox releases a native app for it. And folks don't need to do the little bit of tinkering that's required to get it run through the Chrome beta browser. Um, But this is, again, where I feel like I've got to that point, that inflection point of convenience over fidelity where I've played more Forza Horizon 5 again this week because I have it on. I'm like, let's see. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, yep, this game's got its hooks back into me again. Where, again, I could be playing on my Series X on my HDR 4K screen, blah, blah, blah. But it looks great. It looks good enough. It runs great. I'm driving around that map, smashing things, doing all the stupid things you do in that game, having the best time. Sleep mode doesn't work in, uh, in that, the way it's set up. So I lose that pasta. You know, that's what I'm making. Uh, something that needs to cook for a uh, souffle. I don't know. I don't know. Souffle, I don't think it needs to cook for a long time. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I only, uh, I only know how to make pasta. I only know how to make pasta. <laughs> hey, you like a pasta. Uh, as a Italian-American, 
I like out of pasta. Um, <laughs> but I think it's a killer app to have access to all of those games of just like, oh, uh, what was it? Octo Roboto? Uh, Gato Roboto. Oh, yeah. Gato, Gato Roboto. Got, do you know what I'm going to be playing tonight? Right when we're done with this? That, if it's still on Game Pass or on xCloud, I should say. It's phenomenal that all these other games. I love it. And I think, Jeff, you need to spend the five minutes to get xCloud on your Steam Deck. I have xCloud on my phone with my backbone. It seems to run and play better on my Steam Deck. And I love having that dedicated gaming mm. device yeah. for it. Chef's Kiss. Love it. The game that I put the most time into, though, Jeff, is a game that you've also been playing. Rogue Legacy Dose. Electric. Yeah, baby. Yeah, that's a Steam Deck winner right there. Boogaloo. It is so beautiful. So unbelievably pretty. Yeah. The art direction of this game, like the little character is kind of stilted, but intentionally so. It's like, you know, like tinkering across the, the level. And so different the, from the first one, which was all yes. pixels, you know, pixel yes. art. And the fact that I they went, went and like changed up the art style so dramatically. Yeah. Yes, I love the change. I love this new art style. And when like the flames come in on levels for like uh, gas, you know, like that old yeah. plat, yeah, it's like the smoke you see at first, and then the uh, it's just exquisite. I absolutely love everything about this game, the way it presents itself, um, the that evolution of of dying and repeating and whatever. Um, my nits, which I think have to just be that I suck. Or that I suck, Jeff. Like I, I texted you. I think probably where you were probably calling a football game, and I'm I was, like, I was not only calling a football game, but I also intentionally did not want to reply to you because I wanted to hash yeah. this out on the podcast. Well, I, I figured I go. I need to send Jeff this, but I also need to send it at a time when I hope he doesn't reply. I'm like, <laughs> I think I think I know exactly what he's doing right now on a plane or calling a football game. I, I suck so bad at this game, and I'm surprised. Thank you're, you. You're, you're, you like an action platformer. You love. Uh, you're not that. You've completed Melee. many hard ones. Many, many a hard one. And so I don't know if there's like something I'm not. I didn't play much Rogue Legacy one, so I don't know if like enemy types are carrying over. Or there's patterns I'm supposed to see or recognize. Wait, I, am, so am, I, much. am I making up the fact that you had the same issue with Rogue Legacy one? Did you bounce off that game because you didn't really like how it felt or something? I have. Am I inventing that memory? I don't remember. I do remember that I played it. A listener or someone on our Discord, I think, pointed this out to me. I think I played it around the same time I was playing Shovel Knight. Because mm. that's when Rogue Legacy 1 came to Vita. I think around the same time I was playing Shovel Knight. And I was enamored by Shovel Knight. So I think anything that Rogue Legacy did that was different, I was like, don't like this. Um, I think that's what ultimately bounced me off the first one. I, I mean, you guys told me that's like oh you get these you, you, you get to unlock things like the bootsy boots and the hootsie boots i haven't seen how to unlock any of those things i play <laughs> i die it says like you killed four people you suck and i'm like i suck <laughs> i suck so bad and i'm like okay i got i, I know what i'm gonna do i i'm gonna do that and it's like well it's different now uh, so that's it's a common my i, I love this game and I'm, I'm playing too much of it i'm gonna keep playing too much of it clearly i have a problem but my nits are that i suck and then my classic roguelite roguelike nits of like i don't know if i'm making progress like i've i've played hours I, i've i played a little <laughs> i played a little rogue legacy too uh and i don't 
I can't look up like how long to beat and, and like, well, like but, miles. Yeah, I'm close. I don't think no of it. Clue. Don't think of it that way. Think of it like uh, like you're playing Dead Cells or something where the progress you're making suck. is you're gonna <laughs> you're, you're getting gold and you're gonna spend that gold on uh, unlocking stuff and eventually unlock new classes. And there's all these the classes play very very different than the other classes. And you know, and I think I have my fortress built, and then the game's like, hey, idiot. You haven't built any of your fortress. And I'm like, I haven't built any of my fortress yet. This game's huge, Jeff. I it's at least huge. I think it's huge. Because I it's can't get past huge. the first screen. But other than that, <laughs> like I'm I curious mean, how you how you cause I feel like I normally there's like a dodge or a block or a something or a counter or a this or that or whatever. And I feel like I get into screens where I'm just like, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then I'll I will shut up because I've been rambling. Uh I've been making well-articulated points <laughs> about my time with Rogue Legacy 2. I am shocked that Elden Ring didn't get you. I don't want to make this an Elden Ring conversation, but I feel like there's well, those similarities of like... A, a chance, really, because I was okay. I just, I decided I was going to finish Forbidden West before I did Elden Ring. And Got I, it. Okay. Well, okay. Enough Ring about that. I, I will, that. I will be that. giving Elden Ring a bit. I'm going to be the guy who, you know... In November. Yeah. No in, in October, I'm going to be like, <laughs> have you guys heard of this Elden Ring? I just started playing this. Um, and everyone will be like, yes, because there's no other new games coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's the thing, Christian, that I'm surpri- most surprised about. If I were to rate you and I on a scale of who's the better 2D action platformer guy, I would not put hey, myself listen. ahead of you. I would not. Yeah. Dude, yes. I would not. Thank you. Uh, but I, I do not. You never got out of like the thorn area in Ori. You, the first you Ori. Suck, I finished Jeff. the second Ori. The first you, Ori. You, I, don't, I don't suck. <laughs> I finished the second Ori, which you didn't even play the second Ori, did you? I, I played the second Ori. I didn't finish it. I oh. did not really. I didn't. Miles, this doesn't about you, okay? Don't, <laughs> <laughs> but Christian, I mean, you're like all about, you, you know, you play tons of Dead Cells, you Celeste. I would, I, this is your, much more your genre than my genre. But I don't look at Rogue Legacy 2 as being a hard game. Like, How it's far not... do you get in a run? I, I feel like those little knife hands just come in and knife me. And then those axe hands are just you gotta like... Just dead, dodge dead, them. Dead, dead, dead. They, you dodge them the first time. The knife hands shoot right at you. But as soon as you dodge them, they die. You, they're toast. I, I, I mean, that's just coming in saying the game isn't hard. You're just bad is basically... I'm saying get right good, now. Christian. Get good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I will. I ruined many a pots of pasta. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> these are all wilted, Daddy. It's squishy. Well, pasta's not supposed to be hard. Did you stop watching it because it clearly boiled? Uh, <laughs> no, but I. I, uh, I. I would be the first to admit. I, I'm not shy about saying I think a game is 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 hard or punishing or you know I bounce off of stuff all the time. So I'm like I don't want to go through that. That's why I didn't really play Celeste as much as you. I was like eh, it's hard <laughs> and th- th- i just don't I, I that's not my i just didn't have that feeling with world legacy 2 it's it's super have fun what uh, i agree i i am enjoying it and i'm going to keep playing it i'm curious what is that longer game progression is it because like dead cells you know essentially or um a game i've never heard of hades it's you get to a point eventually where you you do a run right yeah. like you you've played enough you've learned boss mechanics or you powered up your character enough that they're like now mm-hmm. i beat you game mm-hmm. and then some games give you shortcuts to get back to certain areas to mm-hmm. do things um 
the PS5 game, Returnal, you know, you could kind of choose to forego upgrades to get to where you were. What is Rogue Legacy 2's, like, when you are good, is it you just, you do the run, you beat all the seven bosses or whatever in a sitting, or is it, well, you it can go to checkpoints. Yeah. You can go to the other biomes, um, you know, fast and, and, or you can go to the, bo- you can get to the boss fast or you can find the boss. I mean, it also gives you the option to lock in the structure of a, a, uh, a dungeon. So if you go you to a like dungeon and you, or whatever, yeah. but, so you know exactly where everything is and you can call up the map and it'll show you the same map. So you can pay a, a guy on the starting screen after you unlock him, you can pay a guy to lock in the, the, the structure of the thing. So you're like, okay, well, I know exactly where everything is. I can go right to it. Um, but also in general, I think Anthony was mentioning this when he was on in general, like certain areas are, if you go down enough, you'll get to a thing. If you go to the right enough, you'll mm. get to a thing. If you go to the left enough, you'll get to the, it's sort of, it's sort of in general, that's how it works too. Um, and, you know, I will often, you know, when I'm trying to beat a boss, I will like explore, explore, explore and find where the boss stages and go, okay, what do I need to do to get ready to go into this boss? Oh, find a couple of upgrades or make sure my health is topped off or whatever it is. And you could also upgrade the like, there's a, a tier in your castle that says you can get health and mana back when you walk into a boss's lair, um, all that stuff. So there's lots of ways to to sort of, mainline a progression run uh, rather than a sort of, you know, level up my character for the next time run. Um, and oftentimes, you know, oftentimes I will pick my starting, you, you can pick among three characters to start. I'll pick my starting character based on what I want to do. Like there'll be a character that I have mm. a huge bonus for gold based on crazy uh, handicapped attribute uh, attributes. You know, I like, used to wake up with huge bonuses for gold when I was younger. Yeah, well, we all we all get old, Christian. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I hope you stick with it because I love this game very, very much, and it's so so good on so good on Steam Deck. You know, it it, it really it feels like it was. That's the thing about going back to that Nintendo Indie Showcase. It was just like great on Steam Deck, great on Steam Deck, great. It's like now I see them, and I don't need to think I'm going to wait for this to come out on Switch um, yeah. or Vita. RIP. I mean, I, I it is perfect. It's not. Even a comparison, I would I prefer playing on Steam Deck to Switch any day of the week. It is a superior device, in my opinion. It feels better. It has a bigger screen. It looks better, etc. Controls better. Uh, anything else you've been playing? Arkham Knight. I don't need to, or no Arkham City. We don't need to talk a lot about. It. I talked about it in the playlist. I, I went back to that um, in Steam because I had it and played it, and it remained exquisite. And if you have a Steam Deck and haven't played it, it's perfect on Steam on Steam Deck. Surprise! Great game from a long time ago. Plays great on current modern handheld. It's a really good game. That's all. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you about uh, my new obsession. It's a game that I did not see coming. Uh, I uh, I started playing it. And I was like, oh, this seems like a pleasant little uh, distraction. And and then like I woke up and it was like four hours later, and I was oh, I'm still playing this. Have you heard of a game called Dorf Romantic? Only because I pulled the trailer for this show. <laughs> so this might be your antidote to uh, to Rogue Legacy 2. I actually don't know if you'll like this or not, Christian. It very much scratches my I love board games itch. But I, I think you might. It, this is a zen, beautiful, one of those just positive game experiences. So the, the deal with Dorf Romantic is... 
It is a tile laying game, which folks that play board games are very familiar with. Very standard, even as far back as Settlers of Catan. If you've played Settlers of Catan or what is now known just as Catan, uh, you know, on a turn, you take a hexagonal tile and you lay it down and it, it connects to other hexagonal tiles. And that's one of the things you do. And you're sort of building the board as you go. That is the entirety of the gameplay loop of Dorf Romantic. All you do is you have a stack of tiles in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. One comes up, you place it on, on the board. What the tiles are, are parts of a little uh, a little civilization, or I guess even broader than that, a, a biome, a, a landscape. They might have... Uh, rivers on them. They might have forest. They might have plains. They might have little houses. They might have uh, more sophisticated things. They might have a windmill, or a, you know, you unlock more things. They might have train tracks. But a little, little world, little tiny world that you're putting together, hexagon by hexagon, with these tiles. And the world is uh, lovely. It's beautiful. It is uh, uh, simplistic, but painterly and and just kind of lovely to look at. Has a lot of moving parts to it. You know, it it feels alive. Uh, and as you connect it, it it has a uh, algorithm and and algorithmically connects to make everything seamless and fit together really beautiful. Even if you put hexagons that feature very disparate elements. They will fit together and and seem like it all makes sense. And so you can build this beautiful little world. And you can just decide to build your beautiful little world in a way that is aesthetically pleasing to you and just try to create it that way. But there are bonuses and there's sort of a high score that you can chase. And you'll get bonuses that sort of unlock new special tiles as well if you score more points. And the way you do that is you can match up the sides of your hexagon by rotating them and placing them correctly with uh, other like elements. So if you put house a little housing development that is on one edge of your hexagon next to other housing developments, then you get little extra bonus points for connecting them in the way that they're supposed to be connected. Quick pause. Do you have say over your next tile? Nope. I was watching the trailer. It looked nope. like that was kind of... And, and it's not like modern tetris can you see your next three tiles or it's yes. just what's on top oh you, oh, you can see you can see the next yeah uh, i think one or two tiles yeah okay but it kind of doesn't matter because you have to deal with them as they come anyway so seeing them in advance there's no real advantage i i don't i mean I guess i guess there could be but well so the next rule which is really the one that kind of brings it into a a, a more strategic thing is some tiles will come up and have a little icon on them that tells you that you can get a big bonus by linking them together in very specific ways. So you'll get a tile that says, hey, this is has got cities on it. And if you connect it with 68 other cities, exactly, you'll get 100 points. So you go, oh, 68 other cities, exactly. What have I got? Where does it fit? What kind of city structure do I already have? Or do I need to start a new one and sort of build on that? And then you'll have, you know, ones that's like, oh, uh, this this has to be connected to a, you have to connect rivers to rivers. You have to connect railroad tracks to railroad tracks to make it all make sense. And then it'll, you know, and so you'll have these conflicting 
quests, so to speak. I mean, they are kind of quests, a quest to connect 66 cities or a quest to make a, uh, you know, a 10 track long railroad or whatever it is. And you start thinking about this and you're trying to work it through. But that's the entirety of the game. And it doesn't, it, it's got this serene music and it kind of doesn't, it doesn't penalize you for doing quote unquote wrong moves or anything like that. It's just how much do you want to try to shoot for a high score or how much do you want to just put down some tiles and make something beautiful? And I I bought this game, I think it's 20 bucks. Plays great on Switch, on the uh, Steam Deck, by the way. Uh, and... I just thought, hey, you know, this seems really lovely. I like games like this. I like board games. I like tiling games. I got obsessed with this game because when you start <laughs> completing these quests and and getting scoring and and your city starts to or city your landscape your world starts to sprawl out in all these wonderful directions and you all of a sudden have all these different places where you can put a tile because a tile has to be attached to another tile. You can't just place it out in the middle of nowhere. The decision-making becomes really interesting and fun. And I'm like, and, and the, the thing you're making is just beautiful and cool. And it sort of starts manifesting these little animations. Like it'll have a little train going along your train tracks and you'll have little boats in your Harbor and you'll, you know, you have little animals that show up inside the forest and stuff, and you're creating this little diorama world and and shooting for high scores. And, and there's like when you get a if you put a tile down that all all the sides of the hexagon uh, match perfectly, it's a perfect placement and it'll like go broom and it's very pleasant and very, uh, you know, very nice when you put that. And so. I just like the hours melted away and it was this incredibly positive experience. And I, I just, I love this game. I love this game. It's called Dorf Romantic. It looks like, uh, like the trailer I pulled, uh, is from August of last year and it was advertising a creative mode that is out now also. So it looks like yeah. it, you could really just lean in to just build your beautiful, um, you know, diorama. Yeah. There's a limit in the competitive mode of like the number of tiles you can lay and stuff. And I think creative mode just takes all that off and says, Hey, go nuts. But I've been having fun. You know, I'll, I'll like have this incredible run and it'll say, you know, perfect percentage of perfect tiles placed like 18%. And then it'll compare me on the leaderboard. And it's like, people have put down like in the 80% perfect. I'm like, it's not, that's not humanly possible. How is that even possible? You know, what led you to the, this game like how'd you how'd you discover it uh i think somebody recommended it to me uh, because of my love of board games and like this this game looks really cool uh and i was like you know i'll give it a shot and uh i was not i was i was shocked at how much more i liked it than what i expected i just thought it was going to be a a kind of you know zen distraction uh i think there was a game i can't remember the name of it what was that game I talked about a, a couple months ago that was in a similar vein? Yes, but it was more 3D. And I, yeah, I was wondering, it was, I was like, is this the same game? But it, yeah. It didn't, it, it had even less structure to it. It really was just, yeah, it was 3D. You like build up, oh, what the heck name of that game? Um, I'm looking for it in my Steam library right now to see if I can find That's it. But Small, small list of games. Yeah, right. <laughs> massive. Do, do you know what I think this game needs to be? 
on a N- Nintendo Indie Direct Showcase, I'd be like, I want to play that game. And so yeah. I'd be like, it's been out for three years. Jeff talked about it last year <laughs> on your show. And I'd be like, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I can't find the name of that other game. I'm sure there's people in the, in the, uh, they're listening to this or just screaming out what it's called. But anyway, uh, I, I I'll take this over that. So it's not even worth finding that name, name of that game. Cause just get, go for romantic. Don't, don't worry about that other game that I played. Cause that was, that one was just like, I even, I can't remember what it was, but you like build these, these buildings and things and, and you, and you connect them and it is really pretty and you can color them and you want, anything you want and it was very very lovely but it, it didn't have the kind of um um uh, the hook that this one has the 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 addictive quality because of wanting to create those perfect tile laying uh, situations which i got really really into so it, this may be my particular kink you know is is like is this kind of game but uh, if you're like me give dwarf romantic a try on steam it's uh, not very expensive totally addictive chat says maybe it was townscaper yeah that okay. sounds right townscaper yep town, townscaper oh yeah. man bum on the run boom thank you but saving all those listeners that hopefully weren't in the car with somebody yelling thank it's you townscaper jeff <laughs> townscaper. You bum on the run appreciate you appreciate our our live chat you guys make the show better in real time we appreciate you very much uh all right well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Miles Dompierre, thank you for being here, sir. It's always so much fun chatting with you. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, had a blast. Again, very exciting week to talk about video game stuff. And uh, Dorf Romancer, uh, not here to kink shame. I don't know if that's my kink. <laughs> I can't say that I'm rushing out to play it, but it sounds it sounds zen. It sounds nice. Um, but again, yeah, if you want to, you know, get a hold of me, you can follow me on Twitter at Miles Dompierre. And if you want to check out my work, it's over on windowscentral.com or youtube.com slash windowscentralgaming. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I'm going to make no promises, Jeff. Last week I said I'd get my newsletter out. I have a newsletter where I write long form about games. You can subscribe for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. My goal was to get, I'm writing one about air quote easy mode right now that's going to be the next one to come out uh, and i was like it will come out this week is what i said last week it didn't um well how's that saying go you make plans and then life is like ha ha you idiot dead by dawn dead by dawn dead by dawn and then i think uh, that's how it goes that's hand. not the john lennon quote that i thought you were and then, and then you cut your hand off and you put a chainsaw on it and then you're in burn notice for several seasons people don't talk about that and then as chat mentioned, you were also Briscoe County Jr. And it's like a whole thing. Um, anyway, it didn't come out. Uh, life happened. So I'm not going to make any promises. But I have that newsletter that when it is 11-11-22, that's when it's going to come out. <laughs> Putting that, that day, right? <laughs> tattoo the date on your arm, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when Remember that when is people done. Used to I, do that? <laughs> the GTA, like. Uh, Nobody does that anymore. I wonder why. <laughs> when that's done, I will start working on the video version of the newsletter. It will come out later. It'll be posted on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash DLC pod, which is where you can find the video of this episode, all of the VODs of all of these episodes that we've done since launching the Patreon, as well as video versions of um, the paid DLC show as well. And then Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R, 
uh, is where you can see other things that are going on here and there. That's about you it. You got to watch the VOD version because Christian doesn't edit it, and all of the mess-ups that I edit out uh, are That's still true. still present. So this, this I'll be honest, have Jeff. Quite a lot of them at the beginning. It took me it took me a few years uh, in a moment that you might edit out of the RSS feed. It took me a few years to notice that you edited them because I would always go back and listen to the first part of the show. I'd be like, yeah, this episode sounds good, right? I'd do that quality, can, like, oh, episode sounds good. And then I'd move on because I was on the show. I'm not going to listen to it again. And then it wasn't until like, I was like, oh yeah, why is the runtime of the RSS totally different than the video? <laughs> I, I do work, baby. I make so this I. a little it's bit better. Video, live to tape, you know? They, people yeah. like it. People like it. They want to see me fail. No, if you want to see that, <laughs> watch me play Rogue Legacy 2. Maybe I'll stream. Can I stream you from should. my you Steam Deck? <laughs> um, as for me, uh, you can always email us here, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. But uh, if you want to he- see me uh, or hear me do other things, uh, there are lots of other things that I do, including, as Christian mentioned, I'm a sportscaster. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. I am uh, broadcasting uh, elite athletes playing football on a network uh, called Fan Control, not network, on a league called Fan Controlled Football, uh, which is basically Madden in real life. You know how in Madden you pick plays and then they run them? Well, imagine that, but with real human beings that are incredible athletes, including Carol Owens, who's in the league, uh, and, and a whole host of really incredible uh, people you may have heard of, people you should have heard of. Uh, it's a blast. And I'm in the booth uh, alongside uh, an elite athlete, uh, Devin Gardner, who you probably probably heard of if you are a fan of Michigan uh, football. And, and he was a Pittsburgh Steeler and a Patriot. Uh, and um, it's great fun. And I'm doing it every weekend. You can watch on Twitch, twitch.tv slash FCF. I host the... Uh, the fan-controlled show Friday nights, and then um, in broadcasting games Saturday mornings at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And this week, this last week, I got to host the halftime show as well, which was a blast. It was a completely uh, wild experience and super fun. Um, We had uh, Dwight Howard come through, um, and uh, that was pretty amazing. So, Check it out, twitch.tv slash FCF. I also do a uh, movie and TV show review program called Filmcast. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And I do, there's something else I do. What else do I do? I do something else. I feel like I do something else. You have a great run of a long form uh, Dungeons and Dragons show that has come to a conclusion over three years, uh, over hundreds of hours. 400 hours. Content that people can find uh, online as a YouTube, as a podcast called The Dungeon Run. Check it out. And uh, it was really good until Jeff totally dropped the ending. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Talk about putting a bow on it, my friend. Putting a bow on it. Thank you. That's nice of you, Christian. I appreciate that. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Miles, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, Eurovision, baby. I'm really late to the game. Um, Mid-pandemic, there was that weird Will Ferrell Eurovision movie that came yeah. out. Yeah. I was 
tangibly aware of what Eurovision was. Watched the silly movie. I was like, is it really like that? Is it is it that over the top? Is it that dramatic? Is it that campy? And yes, it is. It is this beautiful presentation of all of these countries around the world getting their best talent on stage and putting on just over absurd, over the top, unnecessary productions of these songs. And it's you can watch it on Peacock. I've been I haven't been watching live, so it was spoiled. I already know who who won, all that good stuff. But it's worth it just for the experience, just to see these folks get on stage and to put on these wild performances. So for me, uh, yeah, been soaking up a lot of Eurovision. I still haven't gotten on board with that. I I, I, <laughs> I see my my timeline explodes when Eurovision comes on, but uh, I gotta check it out. I gotta check. I bet I would like it. Uh, very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Um, I'll save one for later as I tinker with it more, but uh, we have re-entered the world of the robot vacuum. I had mm. a Roomba, I think before we started doing this show, like forever ago, and it was fine. I was like, oh, DJ Roomba, you know, or whatever, when we were all into Parks and Rec and whatever that was, and it was fine. It was fine, and then we'd quit using it because it probably wasn't as fine as we wanted it to be. And then I found it again when I was doing this great spring cleaning project. And I was like, oh, let's see if this guy still works. It doesn't. It's dead. Couldn't fix it. New battery didn't help. But I ordered, I got a new one, a new robot vacuum. They've gotten better. Have they? they yes. My wife hates they, ours. She curses its name. Uh, she just despises our robot vacuum. <laughs> Why do you use it then? Because I don't want to sweep. <laughs> <laughs> What does she hate about it? It seems like if it does the job, what does she hate she, about it? She does not believe it does the job sufficiently. It's constantly <laughs> complaining to her. It constantly sends her a message on the app like, I couldn't complete what you asked me to do. I'm really sorry. I couldn't finish. Yeah. I tried to. I tried. I tried so hard, and I just couldn't. Come, come, come help me. I've, I've, I've fallen, and I can't get up. <laughs> Why do you have one? I don't want to sweep. So then what's the problem? Well, it doesn't sweep. So wait a minute. It doesn't work. Yeah. And you're still not sweeping. Well, but <laughs> it's trying and I'm not. So that's the differentiator right there. <laughs> so by you having the robot vacuum that doesn't yeah. work, you just then make your wife do the sweeping. You're like, I, I bought the robot, babe. I don't know what the problem is. Don't talk to me. Talk to the robot. Talk to, it has an app. There's an app for that. That's so funny. Oh. Dying, my back of my jaw hurts. It's so funny. <laughs> Ours works well. We have it only in one. Like we, we have our our, our dog. Our, she's nine months old. Our our new. My heart healed enough to get another dog, and she is shedding a lot, as mm -hmm. lab young lab dogs will do. And I was like, I need help. Um, and so we have it kind of just in that living room running. But like our old one, we couldn't do like the smart map. I'd have to like set up gate. Or you bought like laser trip wires that the thing would know about and i mean the old one was just like a hockey player just checking people into door it was just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, wonk yeah. and like that's a door let me try yeah. again wonk. what is there like, someone breaking into our house <laughs> no that's our robot assistant attempting to clean <laughs> yes yes why do you have it set off to go at 12 a.m because i can't function with this noise happening while i'm here Are you kidding? it's like now it's like it just does its thing. It has a little bow tie on. It it doesn't go where I tell it, you know, where I don't want it to go. It's nice. I like it. So I need I'm sure you to have a consultation with my wife to tell her maybe we're just using it. Maybe it's a user error. How old is your? I mean, it's our old very one clearly. New. We, <laughs> it's oh, okay. Very new. 
Never mind then. I got a, a mid-rangey nice one. one, not the most. I was like, I got a mid-rangey, yeah, not the most expensive, but I like it so far. One week, one week, I like yeah, it's it. It's been and my wife's still out there vacuuming all the time, but uh, other than that, I'm just kidding. I like it. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. All right. Well, there you have it. Christian's fully endorsing uh, the the Roomba. I did a Roomba commercial very long ago, long, long, long time ago, like a full-on television commercial. Um, and it was it like, don't worry, babe, we don't need to vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I use everything I learned. So, hey, my parting gift uh, is a new slash old show. Uh, What's old is new again on uh, on the Amazon Prime streaming. The kids in the hall are back. And if you're an old like me and you remember the early 90s as being uh, a, a great time for comedy, as as I do, a formative time for me for comedy, uh, part of that formation was watching Kids in the Hall. And I got to tell you, even though they are uh, all uh, old, old, old fogies, they still got it. They still got it. And it, I have found myself laughing hysterically. A lot of the, let's be honest, a lot of the sketches are about being old, but that's okay. Uh, it is very, very funny. And just hearing the theme song, it's like, I'm back in the 90s for a moment, which is really my only wish at this point, is to just live in the 90s for one day again. Uh, and so just that alone is um, is is beautiful. And yeah. Uh, if you are uh, if you were ever a fan of the kids in the hall and are maybe worried that like you know it'll be a, a, a arrested development type situation where you go you're excited that they came back and then you watch the season and you're like oh they should never have come back do not fear you will not feel that i believe you will not feel that about kids in the hall they it's great that they came back so i still say too often my kids don't know and they hate it but oftentimes in this house on the weekends especially it's want some eggs they're fresh like constant <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that's amazing about them coming back is it's not like, hey, we'll just do all our old characters and it'll be and you'll be I'm switching it. okay, I'm smashing it. okay. It'll be just I it'll be just a hey, remember the old. No, they're not doing that. It's really new stuff and funny. And so I mean, there's a there's a sketch where somebody wishes a bust of Shakespeare to life. That is so, I was like hurting myself from laughing so hard. Oh man, it's really, really funny. Anyway, Kids in the Hall, check it out. We also got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh, These are sent in by you to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Ryan, who says, uh, your conversation on the paid DLC bonus show recently on uh, memorophilia, which is, never heard that term before, memorophilia. It's pretty good. Uh, and Nostalgia wanted me to suggest this parting gift, journaling your trips and adventures. I've done this twice now. In 2019, I did a three-week trip to Belize and Guatemala with five friends. Whenever I had some downtime, I wrote down what happened during the day. During the early days of the pandemic in 2020, I opened that journal and took the time to write it out in Google Docs so it could be more legible and I could share it with my friends. They were all so happy to read it and relive those memories. I found that journaling allows you to record certain details that are often difficult to capture in a picture, or if you're like me, not necessarily photographing each and every moment. Cheers, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. I actually did this on my honeymoon. 
I had uh, my wife and I, I wrote down as a way to sort of tell our, our in-laws, you know, each of our in-laws what was going on. Cause a lot of them were contributing monetarily to what we were doing. Uh, I, and I, and I cherish that now because I would have never remembered all those little details. Even like you said, if you take pictures all the time. Um, so uh, I highly recommend. I it. read that it started as, it started as a twilight fan fiction, right? Mm-hmm, and then it became mm-hmm. its own thing. I yeah. That's kind of how our good. whole marriage worked. <laughs> <laughs> I was sparkly. <laughs> I tried to drink her blood, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I was sparkly, very old. Decided the best place for me to blend in was with underaged kids <laughs> at a high school. Classic, classic, classic tale. As no, a classic marriage tale. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to have your parting gift right on our show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting those. And that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Miles Dompierre and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song authors, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks to our hype train patrons, which I believe Christian is going to thank in this way. Do you ever have one of those weeks where, uh, you know, it's one of those weeks and it's your friends and your family and the awesome community that surrounds you that helps get you through it? I've had one of those weeks. (laughs) One of them very recently. And so it gives me great pleasure and is an honor to thank some of the folks of this awesome community that always help me get through everything. Thank you, Curtis McCubbin, Relentless Rex, John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Michael S., Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, Rob Rickman, Hank Patton, Cheesy Bob, Victor Venezuela, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Andy Joyce, Anthony Goulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will with 1L Harris, Jonathan Putney, Neil Saw, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan Palmino, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, Yick, Soren Silk, Travis, Jackson, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, the Spiceman Silencer, Albert Verheld de Dios, Jonathan Spiceman Forever, Jonathan Schlepfer, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Ben Leg, The Wood Tashama Henny, Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratziu, Jason Novak, Clifton Satterfield, Taylor Wigert, Josh Peak, Nick Strauss-Klein, Michael Stadler. Thank you all very much for supporting this show and being part of this awesome community. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.